going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with CP3. Today, Tuesday, November 10th, 2020. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up, everybody. How's it going, everybody? Happy Tuesday. And uh, we got a lot of good topics to talk about today. Oh, yeah. I feel like we're finally at the point in NFL and college football now where that it's time to look big picture. You know, it felt weird when I was sitting here thinking about what we could talk. I was like, I talk about, I was like, wait a second. It's time to go big picture, baby. Everything's finally starting to fall in place, especially in college football. It's time. I feel like to start talking about awards, start talking about the playoff and everything. Let's go ahead and jump into it. We had two massive games this weekend with, with a uh, playoff app um, implications as we had Notre Dame pull off a shocking upset win over Clemson in overtime, hell of a game. And then we had a, uh, Georgia and Florida, it was a great first half. Unfortunately for Georgia, not much of a second half with injuries to Stetson Bennett and eliminated the dogs from playoff contention. Uh, what do you make out of everything we saw this weekend, Ben? I'll start with the Notre Dame game. I've never seen a Notre Dame football team or a Brian <laughs> Kelly football team play from from the coin flip until the triple zeros mm-hmm. um, in that fourth quarter. They played outstanding. They made life difficult. Um for Clemson, I mean, ETN with with a fumble on the red zone that they uh, – did they scoop and score that all the way? They I don't know if they returned that? it, but, I mean, that was a huge but, but they got it and, early. Yeah, I mean, it was on the one-yard line. That should be seven points for Clemson. It results in Notre Dame's ball. You've got to give a lot of credit to Ian Book. I thought he made uh, a lot of great decisions. And i got to tell you what, when he gets outside of the pocket, he is a really good th- – uh, he's got a really good ball. Uh, he throws a really good ball when he's on the run. Thought he was mm-hmm. accurate in that Clemson game. Uh, Williams, the running back, had a day. I think he had three touchdowns on the ground. Um, and Notre Dame got enough. They threw the ball enough times down the field to just kind of keep him honest. I mean, you and I talked about it. Brian Kelly said he's going to run the football. He's going to run the football. He's going to run the football. He wasn't lying. I mean, he, he ran the football. Um, I thought Notre Dame adjusted well. I mean, you and I were texting uh, at halftime, and you know Notre Dame looks good. And then I was like, well – you know, Dabo and Venables are going to make adjustments. Can Brian Kelly? And you know what? You got to hand it to him. He did. Um, I'll give it. I'll let you uh, give your thoughts on that game before Georgia, Florida. Yeah, you know, I thought Clemson battled back. They got punched in the mouth early, like you said, that ETN fumble. And I mean, they were trailing at halftime. I think it was what twenty. Yeah, it was twenty three thirteen at the half. You know, I thought Clemson yep. came back. I thought that DJ. Um, looked at the part and everything, 439 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He, he didn't do much on the ground, honestly. But I thought that, you know, Notre Dame did a good job shutting down Clemson's run. I said I thought Clemson was going to run the ball down their throat. I mean, they only ended up running for 34 yards. It was throwing that 439 yards in the air where I really thought they made the difference in this game. They did a great job, too, of shutting down ETN. Honestly, when you look at the box score, you understand why Notre Dame win. But I really want to give it to Ian Book, not as much Brian Kelly. Ian Book stepped up and played the part. 310 yards in the air, 67 yards on the ground. But I felt like at the end of that game, especially in the whole fourth quarter, he was just pulling it down and running with his legs and just destroying him. There's even a couple plays where they had the spy on him, and he just completely deked the spy and got it ran for a first down. I thought Ian Book stepped up and answered the bell call when Notre Dame needed him the most, like, Honestly, that was so – I'm just beyond impressed with Ian Book. We watched him crumble two years ago when he played against Clemson in that BCS Bowl. And, you know, I thought he really bounced back in this game. So, I mean, it was a hell of a game by Ian Book. Honestly, 
that might be the best game of college football I've watched this entire season. I don't know if we'll watch a game that'll beat that one. I mean, that was a hell of a game. In fact, we got two overtimes to decide it. I mean, Book made that late spectacular throw to get Notre Dame down the field and get him in the end zone right before overtime started, right before time ran out on him. I mean, what a game. I mean, you got to hand it even to even to uh, Clemson. You know, they didn't crumble in the moment. Ian Book looked very poised the uh, entire game, really, but especially that fourth quarter. You know, when Clemson starts to uh, mount that momentum. Mm-hmm. So, in this, uh, so Clemson got a field goal at the end of the first half. Then I believe they got the ball to start the second half, got a field goal, and then a quick three and out on Notre Dame's offense. I thought momentum was all Clemson. I was like, here they come. Here, they, I mean, this is what championship teams do. You find a little window of opportunity, and you take 100% advantage of it. Clemson ends up getting the game tied up, and that's where we expect Notre Dame to just crumble, to just flat out crumble and lose this game. And you know what? They didn't. Ian Book stepped up. He got that poise back when the game uh, got close. And he found a way to um, to win the game. It, it may double overtime, but it found a way to win the game. That's all that matters. Yeah, I'm with you, Ben. I mean, I was honestly – that was the most impressive – like you said, that was the most impressive game I think I've seen Notre Dame play in my entire lifetime. And, you know, even if the – even if the, we'll get to it in a minute, if the round two doesn't go as well for them, I'm still beyond impressed with Notre Dame. And I think you got to walk away feeling good about the season regardless. Let's flip things over here, though, to Georgia-Florida, the other big game. And – Look, Georgia's offense did nothing in this game. They had a 76-yard touchdown run. They had a pick six. On the first play of the game. Yeah. Other than that, I would say Georgia's offense didn't really show up. And, you know, when Stetson Bennett went down, you know, honestly, I think I could have done about what Mathis did at quarterback. He's a disgrace to even be called a quarterback. I don't know how he was able to get to Georgia. I mean, he looks awful. He looks lost out there on the field. I saw this week, finally, that JT Daniels took reps with Georgia's first team and all I have to say is his knee must be really be injured if they couldn't even try to throw him in there in that game. I thought I was I was honestly impressed with the way Georgia played the first half. I was like, okay, you had some breaks go your way. I was impressed though with the way Florida bounced back and you know pretty much Florida wasn't phased by anything that happened in the first half. And then the second half, you know, honestly Georgia's defense played well enough to keep him in that game. In the second half, there's just no offense for the dogs. No, and no pun intended here, but the dogs got no bite. I mean, they have no <laughs> they they have no threat on offense. There is not a single player on that offense, maybe if you want to include Zemir White, but really no real threat on that offense when George Pickens does not play. And, I mean, seriously, if you're a top team that plays Georgia and Pickens doesn't play, you're just licking your chops. I mean, it's 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 a victory. When they have that many injuries on defense and their offense can't score without Pickens, it's incredible how one player affects that school when they have so many four and five stars. I mean – they had a great run, first play of the game, 76 yards, I think you said, for Zamir White. Yeah. They didn't do much after. I mean, Stetson looked pretty good in the first quarter. Uh, they were scoring with Florida's offense, and then all of a sudden he has that shoulder injury, and he couldn't do anything. When he came back, Mathis is horrible. I would honestly be surprised if he's even allowed to be on scholarship next year. <laughs> um. And you know what? I think this is a bigger point. I think this is bigger than what Georgia's shown on the field. This is a Kirby Smart problem. He has not proven that he is capable of picking a goddamn quarterback. He can't pick. <laughs> he can't pick. A, he can't pick a damn quarterback right. He. I mean, listen. There was no. There wasn't much reason to pick Justin Fields over to start that season over Jake Fromm. I thought Jake Fromm had deserved it. 
I think that was pretty evident. I, I think a lot of people would say that who's the more talented player? You would say Fields. But Fromm's sophomore season was good enough that he should have been the starter. So you lose Fields. I'm going to blame that on Kirby because he didn't play Fields at all his freshman year. Mm-hmm. And then, then you bring in, you know, Jamie Newman. That didn't work out. You know, um, he opted out. You bring in JT Daniels also. And I get it's not Kirby's fault that he's injured, but you need to figure out how to get your bet, your most talented players onto the field. I don't know what this injury is. I don't know what the medical staff can't figure out, but they won't win any significant game playing a former walk-on named Stetson Bennett at quarterback. It won't happen. You're not going to beat the, 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 um, the good teams around the country. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. You can't score. I mean, Georgia – and by the way, Georgia's defense is incredible. It, it went healthy. It is. But is it incredible? They've only played two good offenses all year, Florida and Alabama, and they give up a million yards to both teams and a lot of points to both teams. I get that they were not healthy for Florida. That's a different scenario. But Mac Jones and Bama and Najee Harris did whatever they wanted to against a healthy defense, and Kyle Trask had his day against this defense. So it, it's a problem in Athens. Kirby can't find a quarterback. It, it's it's truly ridiculous at this point. No, it really is. And, I mean, honestly, Ben, in our lifetime outside of Stafford, on, actually when we were younger, I mean, with David Green, DJ Shockley, guys like that, they definitely had a quarterback. But it feels like if for at least the last 10 years, that's been the story of UGA football is no quarterback. And I'm glad you brought that up, honestly. It feels like they have Jake Fromm 2.0 in there. I mean – it was bad for Georgia. I feel like it, it, the, the part that is the worst for the dogs is like you were saying at the beginning is when you look at the quarterback room and you had JT Daniels and Jamie Newman sitting in there and you were like, wow, this is probably the most stacked up Georgia Georgia quarterback room you ever had. And they have that five-star coming in next year. You're like, wow. Well, they got a five-star there now, Carson Beck. Oh, yeah. The, see, the, there you go right there. They, I mean, this it, it just feels like they can't get out of their own way at this point. I mean, that was pathetic to watch play out. I could I could barely even watch it, honestly. I just feel bad I, for Georgia fans. Well, I mean, you and I were not expecting Georgia to win that football game, but I don't I, I don't think you and I were expecting them to lose by however many they lost by, 20-plus mm-hmm. 20, 20 they lost by, I think. Yeah, I mean, it just looked pathetic. This is a Florida team we watched teams march up and down the field on all season long, and Georgia couldn't move the ball at all in the second half. It just felt like Mathis was out there just running around. Mathis honestly doesn't even look like that he sees receivers down the field. He just runs around back there and just throws something up in the air. Looks like it's one read and take off. Yep. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty brutal to watch. But on another note, the final four picture has become a little clear now as that Clemson, where did Clemson drop to four, right? Uh, I, I honestly didn't even see the rankings yet. Here, I'll pull them up right now. So I know it's number one's Alabama, number two Notre Dame, number three Ohio State, four Clemson, five Texas A&M, six Florida. I'd say Cincinnati and BYU at seven and eight don't have a shot to get in, especially BYU. Actually, you know what? I want to talk a little bit about BYU for a second. BYU plays absolutely nobody and is the biggest frauds in the nation. If they were to let BYU slip in there, I mean, if y'all thought that that Alabama versus Notre Dame national championship from a couple <laughs> years ago was bad, I honestly think that they would hang a hundred on BYU. 
Boise State, yes, they won in Boise State and beat them. Boise State started the game out with a second-string quarterback in. He was hurt on about the second or third play of the game. Third-string quarterback came in there, and he couldn't even stand in the pocket against three-man blitzes. That's how bad he was. I mean, it looked awful. Boise State's defense held up for the whole first half until they got hot, tired at the end of the half, and they started to score. BYU is fraudulent. They have San Diego State and UNA left on the schedule. I don't see any way they can get in. Cincinnati, I don't see any way they get in until the playoff gets expanded, but... First off, let's talk about the lesser teams here with with uh, sitting on the outside looking in here with Florida and Texas A&M. Do you think either of these teams has a chance to find their way in the college football playoff? I do, but it's going to take a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida is going to have to win the SEC is their only chance because they already have a loss. Uh, looks Definitely looks like they're going to have to beat the Tide. Um, and then A&M. So I think A&M scenario, one, they have to win out. Um which I don't know if is the easiest thing in the world when Jimbo is your coach. Just kind of, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, nothing really against him, but like sometimes his teams just don't show up. So I think he's got the right quarterback, the right leader for the type of season they're having. I think Kalamond has been playing really well, and he's got a ton of experience. So for A and M to get in, I think they need Bama to win the SEC, and for A and M to win out. Um, and then they would need, uh, I mean, Ohio state's going to win the big 10. Yeah. I mean, Ohio state shouldn't lose. To they, I, they would just, they would just need the committee to pick a one loss sec team over a one loss Notre Dame or Clemson team. Well, Notre Dame and Clemson have to play each other in the ACC championship. Remember? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, if, uh, assuming, assuming those two teams get in to the see, ACC championship game. I think if Clemson wins, you have to put Notre Dame in the playoffs. If their one loss is to Notre is to uh, um, if Notre Dame's one loss is to Clemson, after they already beat them the first time, I think that that definitely gets in over A and M, who did not play in an SEC championship. Mm-hmm. But if Notre Dame beats Clemson again, then Clemson's out. I mean, I, I get it; it's not a real it's not a real playoff if you don't have Clemson in there with Trevor Lawrence playing. But that's that's the way it's it's got to go. If they lose again, that that's just how the rules are going to work. And I think A and M could slip in there assuming Bama beats Florida. So I think if Notre Dame could beat Clemson again, I think you could have the four teams of, um, let's say, Bama win the SEC over Florida. You would have Bama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, A&M, I think would be the four. Um, So we're just going to have to see if it plays out. A&M has to win out, and I think they're going to need a little bit of help. Yeah, I think it should be doable, though, for AM to to um, win out. I know, like we were talking about earlier, with all the COVID and everything popping up the SEC, this game has been rescheduled for uh, 12-12, so they've already bumped this game out for them at Tennessee. Um, yeah, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. If Clemson's able to be – it comes down to that Clemson-Notre Dame game. If both teams come in there undefe- or with one loss, Clemson, undefeated Notre Dame, Clemson's going to have to win that game. They pretty much hold their own destiny in there. And I think – I mean, honestly, though, if Notre Dame beats Clemson – I know you're going to hate this, Ben. I would have to jump Notre Dame to the number one team in the nation. They are Not only would they have the two best wins of any team. Fine, fine by me. They still wouldn't win a championship. Hey, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I would have to jump them in there as number one, being a conference champion and owning the two best wins. I mean, right now Notre Dame currently owns the best victory, but I still like Alabama being number one. I think they've been the most impressive so far with the way they've handled their business. But, I mean, there should be no excuses for Texas A&M not to finish undefeated. Florida, I'm not going to lie. I don't think Florida has a chance. I don't see Florida beating Alabama. That defense is too bad. I think Alabama will march up and down the field on them all game long. But 
it's going to be fun to see how everything plays out. This is the first time we've kind of had controversy like this in a while in the college football playoff. And this could be another factor that leads into us having an 18 playoff. You know, Texas A&M is going to be complaining. I mean, they got huge boosters. I think they have the biggest stadium in all of college football capacity-wise. And you know they're going to be pretty frustrated if they get left out here as the number five seed, with which personally I think will happen. I think Clemson will figure it out this second time around against Notre Dame. But it just makes for a better playoff, man. It makes everything more fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be real exciting down the stretch here for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can't remember the last time we've had, honestly, this much excitement that we're going to have a conference championship game outside of the SEC that's going to determine who goes to the Final Four. That's going to be awesome to watch. Another thing that's kind of taken shape in college football after this week is the Heisman Trophy race. Who's your front runner right now to win Heisman and why, Ben? It's still Matt Jones. Um, until he proves that he doesn't deserve it, he's the favorite. I mean, I, I don't understand the formula that some people are talking about. So Matt Jones was the favorite coming into uh, for two weeks now, I believe. Well, Bama didn't play. Bama didn't play last week. They had a bye. Um, but Mac was the favorite, and he and he had a bye week. He literally couldn't do anything and just because justin fields goes off against rutgers i mean i think i think my high school team could play with rutgers <laughs> uh, not really but so as good as justin fields plays i he's played two games he has great numbers i think the advantage is still mac jones until he loses it yeah i'm gonna agree with you completely on this one it's gotta be mac jones man i mean the stats that mac jones has hit has put up i don't want to pull them up right now just because i know they'll be a little skewed since bama had a bye week this week um but mac jones i mean the way he's been doing it and how dominant this alabama team has you know not only has he been the best player on the best team but i think he's been the best player in general in college football the way he's been throwing the ball around he's the field general for this alabama team um i really like everything he's done i think he's got to be the front runner here and you know, kind of the second part of my question that we had on here is, would you be angry if Justin Fields won the Heisman Trophy? And I absolutely would be angry. I think there's no way that Justin Fields, I don't have a problem with him being a finalist, but I don't think there's any way you can hand him this trophy due, due to the fact that he's going to play less games. And I know people were bragging about how he has like 11 touchdowns. I don't even remember what the stat was. It was something crazy about like his efficiency and his touchdown passing. Like you said, look who he's doing it against. I mean, this Big Ten Conference is horrible this year. Wisconsin's probably the next best team. I don't know how good they are, though, because of COVID. We won't know who's sitting out and who is playing for them or not. That's going to be a weird situation there. But, I mean, Penn State's 0-3. Michigan should with that, be... With bad losses. Yeah, Mich Michigan should be 0-3 right now. I mean, that was an absolutely pathetic performance. I can't believe I thought Michigan even had a chance at winning that game. Indiana is your second-best team in this conference here. Indiana. Yeah. I, I mean, in Indiana, Indiana's good, but Justin Fields would have a field day. I mean, it, it, I just think he would. I mean, he's that talented. But, I mean, like you said, he's played Penn State. He's played Rutgers. I mean, I'm not going to – I mean, Mac Jones has not – I mean, he's played Georgia when they were healthy, which was considered the best or second best um, defense in the country. Lit him up. And he also mm -hmm. played A&M, &A who's in the contention for the college football playoff. Everyone else doesn't really have a great defense. I think the next best one is either Mississippi State, and they're, they're awful, or Tennessee – um, probably, I guess, Tennessee. I mean, because Ole no, Miss. It's, it's Kentucky. Stinks. It's Kentucky. What? What's Kentucky? No, just, just ranking, just defensive rankings wise. Kentucky oh, well, is ranked the second Bama. best defense in the SEC. I just meant that of who Bama's played. Bama hasn't played oh, Kentucky oh. yet. Um, but Mac Jones is he's lighting every defense Bama's facing up. Um, he is not. Bama is not winning other reasons other than Mac Jones. He they're winning because of Mac Jones. And because of other factors, 
it's it's his Heisman to lose. Hey, I'm in 100% agreement with you there, Ben. A lot of times there's kind of a guy who surges at the end. I don't know if I really see something like that happening. I'd say, honestly, I'd probably put Kyle Trask in second place. You know, if Kyle Trask were to dethrone him in the SEC championship game, I think that's pretty much the only way, though, Trask could jump in front of him and take that trophy away. I don't see that happening, but it's college football. Anything can happen. Um, let's move now to our last college football topic. And me and Ben, after watching that awful, I mean, that was pathetic performance by Michigan. I mean, they have receivers <laughs> running wide open. Joe Joe Milton looked like he couldn't couldn't th- hit the broadside of a barn, as they say. It's Harbaugh's days at Michigan done. If they're not, then he's he's doing something. <laughs> I, I, he's he's doing something to those boosters if he's not. Because I can't think of one reason why he hasn't been fired already. I mean, if you want to save him from the embarrassment, like what has he done for you? He's and I gotta be honest, and I think we, I think I talked about the, the, I think I talked about this the last time. Michigan, or really Harbaugh, is not recruiting as well as you would think Michigan mm-hmm. should be recruiting. I'm pretty sure he's in like the 12 to 15 um, average ranking. The t- uh, what has he been there for four years now? Or yeah. five? Is this five? Four? He, I don't know if he's had a top 10 finish yet. So, gotta tell you what, University of Michigan is officially a basketball school. <laughs> hey, they joined Florida State's good company there, <laughs> basketball school. Um, I'm in 100% agreement with you here, Ben. I think it's time to go ahead and send him on his way. Look. I think Michigan has to come to the come to grips with the fact that, like you said, they are a basketball school and that their standards are just too tough to get into school there to recruit the kind of guys that they want in there for football. I'm not taking a knock on student athletes here. I'm just saying when you hold your school to higher academic standards, you got to be better at picking these guys of who you're going to get in there. And clearly Harbaugh hasn't been able to do it with it. I've also heard many reports that Harbaugh is really weird. He personally recruited one of my brother's good friends from high school, said he was an extremely weird guy. Um, pretty sure he like showed up wearing cleats or something like that. I don't even know something <laughs> stupid like that that he did. Very weird guy in general. Um, I don't see he belongs getting... in the NFL. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he should go back to the NFL to be honest with you, and I think he will. I mean, I made the joke. I think it was actually you put it on. You said put it on Twitter before I think I'd even texted it to you. How funny it would be if Harbaugh is coaching the Falcons next year? I mean, I hope to God. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> Hey, all, I, all, I, all I know is I saw talk about is keeping Raheem Morris. I'll take hardball over Morris any day of the week. But, no, I mean, I personally think the only way he could stick around is if he uses COVID as his excuse. I don't know how many players Michigan had to opt out because of COVID. I think that could be his only saving grace here. I've just heard from listening to other people talk and from reading some articles and stuff, they're saying that a lot of these schools – had to make a lot of budget cuts and they're having to pay off and lay off lots of people within these staffs within these schools so maybe firing a coach from a huge from like a huge contract like this might not be economically smart right here so we could have a very crazy coaching carousel next year they're saying it specifically for Penn State Penn State had to pay off a lot of money to that athletic department to lay people off and whatnot so I, I, I think Harbaugh is done. I don't even think he's – I personally may not be fired, but I think he might just go ahead and get out of there and hop back in the NFL. You know, I think he can hop back in the NFL at any point in time. He can just use his excuse that he wasn't able to get the recruits at Michigan he needed. If he wants to use that excuse, let him. But it, it comes down to he's not a good enough coach in college football <clears throat> or a good mm-hmm. enough recruiter. And, you know, college football, you make a good point there. College football, I think more so than the NFL – 
uh, or at least we talk about it more in college football, is, is really the buyout um, uh, for coaches. I mean, I remember a couple years ago, people wanted Gus Malzahn fired. You know, shocker there. He's on the hot seat every year, I feel like. But his buyout contract is is hefty. It's it's a lot. So if you believe in him in any capacity, that it's, it's worth keeping him. Um, you know what? I, I think Penn State, maybe not right now, but Penn State's got to be looking at it for, for James Franklin. I mean, he can't get the big win. He's beaten Ohio State, but he hasn't won. I don't think he's won the Big Ten, has he? They won the Big Ten that year. They, they lost did? to USC okay. and Sam Nardo. But I actually think that I actually think that Franklin would have a decent reason to be able to stick around. You know, he had his top running back go down. He already they had top Micah linebacker. Parsons. Yeah, they yeah. had Micah Parsons opt out. I think he could leverage a lot of that stuff. And they did lose a decent bit of guys to the NFL in the last few years. So he and that's probably... true. That's true. But his quarterback and him himself in the offseason talk a big game. And they're mm-hmm. sitting. They're sitting with an ugly zero and three. So goose egg in that Sean, you call him. I mean, Sean Clifford can talk all he wants. At the end of the day, you have three losses, and your school probably hates you. Yeah, I mean, Har- so Harbaugh's um, buyout is projected around, uh, or it says after. So after twenty twenty, so after the season's over, his buyout would be t- would be close to ten million dollars. But if they keep him around after this season, they would only have to pay him five million. Yeah, so that's interesting. Ah. Yeah, that, that's the only, that's probably the only thing that could keep him around is that right there is that five million dollar difference. That's a lot of money right there. So I mean, it's we'll a see. lot. It just depends on a big school like Michigan. I mean, they got a lot of money. So do they care about it? I mean, we're gonna find out. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And if the right NFL job comes calling, I'm sure he'll always come running because he had success there. Speaking of the NFL. Once again, like I said, big implications, man. We're now nine weeks deep in this NFL season, and I think we've uncovered the truth of what's of what's going to hold the Seahawks back this upcoming season. That defense looked absolutely awful as they gave up 41 points against the Bills on this Sunday. The Bills ran the ball for 30 freaking yards. Can we talk about that real fast? How often do you <laughs> see these NFL teams run the ball? Uh, like the, the Tampa Bay ran the ball five times. The Bills ran the ball for 20 yards. I think the Seahawks ran the ball for 30. I mean – how crazy has that been that we have NFL teams winning games, running the ball for 25, 30 yards? It's a passing league. It's what it is. I mean, it's, it's what it's football has turned into. If you don't have a quarterback that can sling the rock, your your chances of winning games, I mean, are just decreased. I mean, if you can't really throw the football effectively, your only strategy that I can think of is you better win time of possession every single game. So, <clears throat> and that's weird for the Bills because – the Bills like that ground and pound physical play style, and they also have a quarterback who runs the ball very effectively. Mm-hmm. But let, let's let's talk about the Seattle defense, and I don't think it's just Seattle. I don't think there's a team in the NFC that plays quality defense. I mean, we, you and I, or you really, but both of us, we like to talk about the Bucks. Well, the Bucks looked horrendous against the Saints. Awful. Uh, I mean, they didn't do. I don't know if they did one thing right the entire game. <laughs> I really, I don't know if they did. Drew Brees was barely touched. He was his noodle arm was throwing these six yard routes, and the Bucks couldn't tackle in open space. But for the question that you asked, let's talk. Let's stick with the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a Big Twelve football team. Their offense, <laughs> I mean, they, their offense can keep up. They really can. I think their offense can keep up with with almost every team in the NFL, even the Chiefs, because you have two stud receivers in Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, who, wow. The, the the safety tried to hit him on it like a hit stick, and the dude fell over. DK didn't move. So that was crazy. 
You get Tyler Lockett, and then um, I'm blanking on his name, but what's Moore's first name? I think it's DJ Moore. It's one of those. Moore is is a very is a, is a quality third receiver, and then you get Wilson. Or yes, um, and no, I don't think it's DJ Moore, no, but yeah, whatever. DJ Moore's one for the Panthers. Yeah, but uh, Wilson can sling the rock. He can still run the football. They just got to get these running backs healthy, um, and that offense is pretty much unstoppable. But that defense. I don't see him winning the Super Bowl with that defense. Got to be honest with you, I don't see any. At this point, I know it can change. I don't see any NFC team winning a Super Bowl. Hey, um, last year about this time, I made the bet the AFC wins the Super Bowl at like even money just because I figured it'd be the Ravens or the Kansas City in there as like a three-point favorite or so, which ended up, I think the Kansas City was the underdog. So, I mean, honestly, that ended up being a stupid bet, but it still won for me last year. But I honestly might check look into that once again of who wins the Super Bowl between NFC AFC. Because I agree with you, Ben. I think this conference as a whole, but especially Seattle, all of them have these high-powered offense, but they have no defense whatsoever. I mean, when I look at the conference, I think that Tampa Bay, I mean, New Orleans. New Orleans, see, the thing is, I feel like someone can blitz Drew Brees and get after him in his noodle arm. But I feel like that Seattle and Tampa Bay – these defenses, man, just can't get the job done. I mean, in Green Bay, yeah, I mean Green Bay even too. Green Bay's been giving up so many yards per game. I mean, Green Bay really can't stop anyone either. These defenses all look awful out there, and I think part of it has to do with like COVID and everything and how these teams had to prepare. But also too, I just think it's this new NFL, and like you said, it's a passing league. A lot of these teams, I feel like the way they're built, just aren't built to stop these teams. Although I will say this. I personally like Green Bay's defense and Tampa Bay's defense a lot more than I like Seattle's. I like Seattle's offense, though, better than both these teams. So, I mean, the NFC is just shaped really weirdly right now. Um, I think that Seattle's defense, though, will keep biting them in the ass as this season goes on. So I'm interested to see how things play out there. But my thing that's wrong with Tampa Bay is not only is it their defense, but they have no run game. Seattle at least runs the ball. Seattle's one of the top teams in the league when it comes to rushing the ball. I mean, they ran, they um, run the ball game wise. I mean, the numbers aren't up there as much just because of last week that they didn't run the ball much. But still, they're running for 116 yards per game, which is about. I mean, it's towards the top part and of Carson's, the middle of the pack and, of the league. What were you saying? And Chris Carson. Chris Carson's been in and out. Yeah, exactly. They had DJ Dallas in there, an undrafted guy, and Travis Homer. But then, I mean, you look at this Tampa Bay team, and they're ranked third to last in the league in rush yards at 92.1. I mean, Tom Brady's old. You don't want him standing upright back there the entire time. It felt like when they were playing so well is because they were getting things going on the ground with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. I mean, you have a stacked-up backfield. They ran the ball five freaking times on Sunday. That is inexcusable that you try to run the ball five times. I mean, it felt like they were like, oh, we have Gronk. We have Mike Evans. We have um, Antonio Brown. We have Chris Godwin back in here. Let's just throw the ball all over him. We can keep up. And, I mean, it did not work at all. They didn't try to run the ball at all at the beginning of the game. And then all of a sudden they found themselves down 21-0. And I found myself turning the TV off and going to bed early on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, the NFC teams, we just touched on what I think what we think is are the top four teams, Seattle, um, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Green Bay. And none of them really play that good a defense uh, like you just talked about. It's Also, I don't know if I'd qualify the Bucks backfield as stacked. Uh, Leonard Fournette is horrible. He's, I mean, he, he averages <laughs> Should like... Should be good. He averages like 2 point something or 3.1 yards a carry in his career. I mean, he's, he's such a bust. He really is. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like Ronald Jones, but let's talk about the AFC just real quick. This is, in my opinion, I think the top four teams at least. Well, I'll get into it. The Chiefs, obviously, um, their defense mm-hmm. is it's okay, but their offense can really just score on everyone. So their defense, I think, is just good enough. Um, especially if they can get. Is Chris Jones coming back at some point? Yeah, actually, Chris Jones played on Sunday. He was placed. On okay, sorry, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, he, so, he, t- he tested positive or negative enough times to come back. So the Steelers, they've been proven to have a great defense. I think the Ravens, when they're healthy, have a very good defense. They're just not healthy right now. I think Buffalo's defense is solid. Um, I think it should be better when they can get fully healthy than they've been playing, but I think it's solid. And then I'm going to put the Colts in there. Um, I am more the worried Colts. about the – so here's what I'm thinking. I love the Colts' defense. I'm more worried about their offense than their defense, and that's why I include them in there. Because their defense has been playing very well this season, and they should not have lost that game to Baltimore this past week. I mean, Phillip Rivers couldn't get the ball in the end zone in the second half in the fourth quarter, So, and Lamar just kind of took over. But I, I think the Colts do have a good defense. I mean, I think the Titans are a good team, but their defense hasn't been playing great. Yeah. Um. So that's why I kind of put the Colts in there. But that division is definitely going to be interesting. Look, I, I'm buying on the Colts' defense 150% with you. I can't buy in on the Colts for one reason and one reason only. Phillip Rivers looks awful. I sat there and watched that game. Well, he is awful. Yeah. He looks awful because he is awful. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you had Baltimore and I had had Indianapolis in this game. Or I know for a fact I had Indianapolis in this game. Yeah. And Phillip Rivers, like, I'm not even kidding you. Like, I'm not even saying this because I was mad because I lost a bet on the game. There's multiple plays where Phillip Rivers dropped back to pass, and it looks like he literally just threw the ball up in the air and just said, like, screw it, let's see what happens here. Like, it didn't even look like he was throwing for anyone. It just looked like he was just chucking up in the air as high as he could. And, I mean, it, it, he looks lost out there. He looks absolutely pathetic. I mean, I personally a lot of think money. That, yeah, I don't a think there was an interception on that play, but they called it. I would try to maybe even throw Brissett in there. I think they would have a better chance at winning with him in there. But it's Indianapolis defense, man, is too good to put up with that offense. I actually kind of like the Dolphins as the fourth best team in there. Yeah. I've, hey, I've always been on the two as the best quarterback in this draft class train. I thought Tua came out and had an amazing performance. We'll see how teams play when they get a little bit more film on him. But I love this Dolphins defense. They seem to find a way to score points and force turnovers. Like they have that strip sack on Kyler at the beginning of the game. I feel like this Dolphins, I mean, even on that fourth down, too, they got the big stop they needed to get Arizona off the field and get the ball back and win the game. I think the Dolphins have been absolutely impressive. And even in, I mean, they have two impressive wins, too. This Rams team is one of the best teams in the league or one of the better teams in the league. They marched into Miami, couldn't get the win. Now you go on the road and win against Arizona. This The AFC West had been dominating teams. They were covering it almost 80% against the spread against these other conferences and divisions. And being the Dolphins took two teams down from that division. I think the Dolphins are not getting the respect they deserve. And I think they might be the sleeping giant. I mean, they came on strong at the end of the year last year. Now they have an even better defense and they seem to force these turnovers too. I like what I'm seeing out of Miami. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll uh, talk about Miami in just a second here. I do want to, I, I think I want to touch on Baltimore just real, real quick. I think we have a formula for the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to beat all the good teams in the league. Mm-hmm. But they haven't beaten a great team yet. And I think the Colts are good. I don't think the Colts are great. Um, the two losses this year are, are really good losses for Baltimore, if you if that's a thing. They lost to the Chiefs and they lost to the Steelers. So those mm-hmm. are considered elite teams right now. 
I think Baltimore beats every other team. I think Lamar is good enough, and I just think he just chokes against these great teams. Let me talk about the Dolphins real quick. In Tua's first start, which was now uh, two – is it two weeks ago or was there a buy-in between? Ago. Two weeks ago. Thanks. Um, I thought the defense kind of won that game. Special teams won that game. Tua played solid, uh, but he didn't have his fingerprints kind of all over that game. Mm-hmm. He did this week. Boy, did he this week. He escaped two um, – um, I can't think of the word. Uh, what's the word when a guy blitzes and no one picks him up? A free, like a free rush. Uh, like a, yeah, that or a free rusher, whatever. People know what I'm talking about. And he escaped it two times. I mean, th- it's incredible what he can do inside the pocket. He's very mobile. And he can run. I mean, he's not a, he's not Kyler Murray speed, but he is fast enough to pick up a first down. I think he proved this past week against the Cardinals. He's willing to run. You know what? He didn't slide every single time, which t- which tells us he is not scared to take a hit to maybe get an extra yard or two. I think Dolphins management and coaches would rather see him slide, but you got to love the mentality that two is playing with. I think the team has absolutely rallied around him, and I have a new nickname for the Dolphins. My roommate and I were calling them uh, the team of destiny with Fitzpatrick because they were always in games. They cover a lot, even when they were underdogs. I think they're the team of destiny still. I don't think there's a ceiling for this doll. I mean, I don't want to say it like that. Like, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. But this team should get into the playoffs for how mm-hmm. they're playing right now. I think their defense can lead them. I think as long as Tua stays the course and plays his game, why can't they win a playoff game, right? Hey, I agree with you completely, Ben. I love everything I've seen out of the Dolphins, and I agree, man. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they won a playoff game. I mean, shoot, they they might even be able to give the Bills a little bit of a run for their money here for their division. Obviously, I don't think the Bills – I personally think the Bills are the best team in the division, but, I mean, Dolphins have a plus 61-point differential. The Bills only have a plus 9. I mean, if you compare that to the best teams in the league – Right now, the Ravens plus 85, Steelers plus 74, Kansas City's crazy plus 103. But, I mean, even you look over in the NFC, the Dolphins have a better point differential than any team in the NFC. Let that sink yeah, in. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I was, had to pause for a little bit to let that sink in. Um, this yeah, defense you, is it's, it's playing well. I, I like – you know who I really like is uh, blanking on his name. By, he, Grant, he went to Texas Tech. Yeah, the speedster. He, yeah, I mean he's he's giving this offense good field position on these punt returns, mm, he's, and I I, he's I was just saying, I think so I think fast. when you have so fast, I think when you have a young quarterback, you really need your whole team to do all the little things to help him out. I mean, it doesn't matter how good your rookie quarterback is, or you know if he's in his second year, he's still a young quarterback. You have to uh, win the field position games, you do, and. You know what? I think the weapons are good enough for Tua right now. I think they're going to need to add them um, when the draft comes around for this team to take a next uh, step. Kind of depending on who they lose, they might need to revamp the defense as well. But I like what I've seen from Devontae Parker. And I got to tell you what, that fade pass that Tua threw to the right um, pylon where um, one of his tight ends, I think it's like a backup tight end, caught it. I don't think you could throw a ball better than that. And, you know, that's what I'm accustomed to seeing. From uh, the lefty um, when he was in college at Alabama, and he's looked damn good in the NFL. His ac- I mean, his accuracy is what he's known for. So far, so good. Oh, yeah. So far, so good. I love what I'm seeing out of young Tua. Um, you know, Ben, I hate to put you on the spot here. I'm going to give you three guesses. Can you guess who has the best point differential in the NFC? 
Um, don't tell me the Falcons are one of them. No, but the Falcons do have better point differential than everyone in the AFC East. I mean, the NFC East. I mean, I'll just go with. I'll go with Tampa Bay. Wait, who? It's Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and in Minnesota, maybe. It's the Cardinals. Wow, <laughs> wow. Well, that's I mean, that's good news. I mean, they're they're looking like a playoff team. So. Yeah, call I mean, me crazy, keep man. That... But I could see them winning this division. I feel like that defense is doing things for them. I mean, listen, Buda Baker flies around the field. I think um, if they can just continue to get the pass rush going, I think that's just kind of their weakness. I think they they really can improve on the pass rush. Um, and I think there's – is their secondary a little banged up? I think they were missing um, – were they missing Patrick Peterson this past game? Or I thought they were missing someone in that secondary. But listen, they're 5-3, and three, Seattle 6-2. and two. Um I would have to look at their schedules. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but, you know, Kenyon Drake sounds like he's going to come back at some point. I think that's a plus. But, and I, you know what was weird about this last Cardinals game is DeAndre Hopkins' targets were very, very low. Did you notice that? Yeah, I was not expecting that either. I was expecting D-Hop to have a big afternoon. I mean, I think we always expect D-Hop to have a big afternoon, right? I mean, he had three catches on three targets. I, I just find that kind of strange. But a positive for the Cardinals is how good Christian Kirk has looked. I think, you know, I don't know if it's their Texas A&M connection because I think they played together, uh, Kyler and him, but he's Ooh. proven himself, I, th- I think, for a, a year maybe. Yeah, they should have overlapped, I feel like. Um, But he he's really coming into his own. He doesn't need to be a number one receiver. Obviously, that's that's Hopkins. But I think he's really cemented himself as the number two. I think Fitzgerald is kind of the always number two because he just doesn't ever drop a pass. The Cardinals have good weapons. Kyler's feet I'll always talk about as a weapon. The defense is balling out, and I agree with you. I think they have a real shot at this division. Hey, I agree with you too, Ben. It's going to be fun to see the way everything plays out. Um, it's going to be another good week in the NFL. I feel like after this week we'll really start to see more of uh, who's in and who's out in the playoffs. We'll have to – go back and do another buy or sell and see how we're buying and selling on everybody now at this point. Um, you got anything else you'd like to add before we get up out of here? No, the only thing is um, I agree with you. I think we'll kind of figure out within uh, this week or after this week kind of who are the real contenders and then who are teams that are just going to kind of make the playoffs but they're not playing well. I mean, to be honest with you, so I got – did you see the Adam Schefter tweet today that said owners approved like eight teams to get in, so two more? So, like, are we really going to see the Chicago Bears in the playoffs? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. Here's Well, I guess it could be the Vikings, but probably not. Here's my thing with that. I, I get – well, I think I understand why the owners approve it. I'm assuming it has to do with them making more money. Um, but here's the thing. The NFC doesn't deserve – the NFC really only deserves – let me count. Five teams? Six, maybe? To, to get it that are real playoff teams. I think Seattle and Arizona, that division. I think Green Bay. I think um, the Saints. And I think the Buccaneers. Am I missing anyone? The Rams, too, I'd say, deserve to be in. Okay, the Ram- yeah, I'll throw the Rams in there. So that's six. I mean, in, in, the, in the AFC, I think there's more than six, I would say. So, yeah. 
I don't know if we need more teams, but I'm, I'm always going to assume it means that people make more money. Um, you know, that's where decisions are made. So that's kind of the only thing I got. Yeah, they said the uh, reasoning behind that was that if there's if they weren't able to play all 16 games, that they would extend the playoffs two teams. So we'll have to see. So what it's not set in stone. Say that again. So it's not going to be set in stone. If yeah, they it's do not finish. set in stone yet. It depends on okay. if all the teams are able to complete. I think they have like a week or two, like after the season ends, that's like in there just in case these teams have games canceled. But I mean, if there's enough games canceled, then they're just going to go ahead and add two extra teams to the playoffs. So that'd be something else to keep your eye out on there. But Ben, I appreciate you coming on to talk football with me once again. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we appreciate everything and everyone who tuned in. Got tons of podcasts coming for y'all this week. I'm even tried to start to flip the switch on y'all for NBA and everything. Got mock drafts, got hypotheticals for all teams and everything coming out this week. Obviously, as always, on Friday, we'll break down the biggest matchups of the weekend. But until then, we'll see everyone. We appreciate everyone who tuned in.